0: Welcome to People Helping People, the podcast to inspire greater social change and give you ideas on how to take action. I'm your host, Adam Morris. This month, we're exploring how to launch a social enterprise, and I'm excited to introduce this week's guest, Sheila Fuentes, a business coach for female social entrepreneurs and CEO and co-founder of Silo Circular Fashion Collective, a sustainable retail brand. Sheila is based in the Philippines, and I'm always curious to explore social entrepreneurship in a new country. So, Sheila, welcome on the podcast.
1: Hi, Adam. Hello, everyone.
0: I'm really excited to have you. I was wondering if we could start off a little bit with your journey from when you were in banking and, and how you started something new.
1: Yeah, so my profession is really on banking. <laughs> I have a background in economics and I really didn't expect that I will be taking this path. But then I got really curious when I met one of the social entrepreneurs in the Philippines. And I saw the deeper meaning why we do it. Like, I really want to serve people because that makes me feel so fulfilling. So I said, why not try? But I started doing our passion project. And so I'm doing it while I'm working. And I don't really consider it that time as a serious business because I just love doing it. So I'm passionate about fashion. So we started a clothing brand online. And then I came across a post of Fashion Revolution. They are very active in promoting and advocating for sustainability in the fashion industry. So I got really curious, why are they asking for transparency? Why are they showing the stories behind the process
0: of manufacturing? What are some of the issues around fashion?
1: Number one is unethical labor practices. So most of our clothes are made from developing countries, but I've learned that they're providing below minimum wage. They don't have enough uh, room or a good working environment, and there are issues on child labor, um, and so much more. So it really bothered me. And then I went further doing my research and I said, I need to stop doing this fashion business. (laughs) And (laughs) we we need to shift the sustainability. And yeah, that's how it started. That's how SILA started.
0: What has it looked like so far?
1: We paused for a while this year. We're active um, last year, even during pandemic. Uh, we're doing like online events because we still want to raise awareness, um, and uh, to engage with our community because we formed a community here in the Philippines. But then we realized that during the pandemic, fashion industry is one of the biggest industry that was hit by the pandemic. So we said we need to change our business model and shift to a service-based business. But yeah, we're still active in terms of connecting with our community. And that's our goal, really. We want to form and create this community of sustainable fashion advocates, not just in the Philippines, but really want to promote it in Asia.
0: What do those activities look like?
1: We hosted workshops online, of virtual masterclasses, on how they can start their own sustainable fashion brand for example how they can change their mindset to align with their vision their values because that's very important for entrepreneurs and in (laughs) terms of the consumers we're doing some sort of sustainable fashion one-on-one classes and virtual meetup for our communities
0: what are some things that people can do to start a sustainable fashion brand
1: My number one tip usually is to not overthink (laughs) because (laughs) a sustainable fashion, they think that it's too complicated. And I agree because we have to consider a lot of things in the supply chain. Every process should be sustainable. But then it's okay to start without a perfect process, it's okay to start with the vision. And be clear about what you want to do and what problem you want to solve in the fashion industry. Because there are a lot of problems. And especially if you're a solo entrepreneur, you can't solve everything. So don't overthink. Don't overcomplicate. But just start with one One product, one problem to solve, and then clarity of your vision. And then start from there. What's that one thing you can implement now to start that? sustainable practice inside your business. whether it is I'm um, doing ethical practices, ethical labor process or it could be using recycled clothes that's one way. so you don't need to buy those 100% natural fabrics but it's expensive. So find a creative way and solution to that problem. So you can use your own clothes for example, you can ask for donations and be creative.
0: How does that work building a a brand off of recycled clothing?
1: In terms of the the manufacturing process, of course, it's not that easy compared to building it using the, the usual fabric. But there are a lot of designers here who are very creative. They, they can turn a used clothes into another set of clothes, for example. Some designers here, I'm seeing them doing this. Like in one big t-shirt, they will cut it in half. And then they will just fix the top and make it like cropped up for women. And the bottom part will be a sh- skirt for women. <laughs> Something like that. So they're very creative.
0: It seems like a project where you get very unique clothes based on what you're starting with. Yes. Now... In addition to this, you work as a coach for other female social entrepreneurs. I'm curious to hear just a little bit what social entrepreneurship looks like in the Philippines.
1: Yes, in the Philippines, it's already a growing trend. A lot of young aspiring entrepreneurs, they are looking for that path, that It's not just about building a business for them. They want to do something better for the society, for the community. And I'm seeing a lot of young entrepreneurs and also university students here in the Philippines that I have met that they're very passionate about doing something good for the country.
0: Are there certain topics that people gravitate towards when they're starting things?
1: I must say they want to explore things that they are not just confined in one solution. Like they have this idea, for example, but then they're very open to try validate this idea and explore what will work and what will not work. One of the biggest and most frequently asked questions would be how can they work with communities? Because that's the trend here in the Philippines right now in terms of social entrepreneurship, that whenever you want to start a social entrepreneur, you can work with these marginalized communities that you can employ, for example, or you can build a product wherein a portion of your sales will go to them. So one of the questions they always ask is how can they work with communities? Because choosing a community is easy, but then the process of working with them is not easy. <laughs> there are differences in your beliefs your values right and the way they do things so it's challenging
0: i'd be curious to hear some examples or some stories of what kind of that's looked like for some people building those connections in the community and getting that feedback
1: yeah so i heard one social entrepreneur here who have worked with a community who are weaving textile and they are selling cases or blankets or towels made out of that textile so at first they said it's really challenging because there's this original designer from the community she has her own this is the correct way of doing it or this is better she has her own thoughts and opinions But it's really more of how they can build a better relationship with the community so that this community can trust them. And that's what they did. So they often visit this community, I think, once a week or twice a week. And then they just chat and build that connection and relationship until such time that this community is already trusting them, that they are open to receiving help and also new ideas. So this brand is already growing in the country and I love that they were able to help this community to also lift up their lifestyle and to continue that weaving practice because it's already dying. It's a traditional practice here in the Philippines, but the, mm. the practice is already dying because new generations nowadays, they want to go to the city to, <sighs> to find work. And most of them want tech-related work. So it's good that they were able to revive the practice in this community. And everyone's happy. And so they're providing jobs aside from them helping this community in general to uplift their living.
0: I'd love to hear just a little bit what life is like in a marginalized community in the Philippines. I know what homelessness looks like and poverty looks mm-hmm. like in my hometown in Columbus, Ohio, but there's still a lot of social service support and a lot of government support for people. And the situation can be really different. I'd love if you could just paint a picture of what that looks like, what people face, and maybe what that means for how much they earn or or what their life is like.
1: A lot of them are struggling to find a job, a stable job. I think most of them are working part-time or on a contract basis, so they don't have any benefits aside from the pay itself for the job. And mm-hmm. if I would be describing the pay, I think most of the people in the marginalized communities here is earning around $200 or less a month for a family and it's not <laughs> enough so that's a situation because most of them they don't have any formal education because yeah that's one of the challenges here in the country to provide that free education quality education for everyone but since they are struggling even if they're studying how uh, when they're in college or when they're in their secondary school, they need to start working. So Mm -hmm. they are looking for a job already. So what usually happens if you are the head of the family, if you are the eldest child, you will be pushed, not just by other person, but you, because you will feel the pressure. And you will be pushed to to work immediately. They won't be able to finish their study and the trend will continue. Because they're thinking of the survival. They need to survive now. That's the mindset of most of the people in the marginalized communities.
0: What type of support do they have from the government or other areas for the situation that they're in? Is there social structure there or other nonprofits that help these groups.
1: There are a lot of nonprofit organizations <laughs> yeah. and also profit organizations, like social entrepreneurs and some companies who are doing like this CSR initiatives. But uh, for me, it's not enough.
0: It's just really amazing what some people have to go through in order to just survive. But just as a point for how important it is to get involved and reach out and work with these communities. So where are you in your journey?
1: So, yeah, I've been in the banking industry for almost 10 years, but I decided to really take the leap.
0: I'm, I'm curious to hear just a little bit of how you got to that point where you were ready to leave. What did that look like?
1: Yeah, honestly, it's hard because I've been really thinking about doing this for three years. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I I was just so afraid back then because I don't know what to do if I leave my job. And I think I was too comfortable that I'm earning this much already. So I think it's okay to just build this business on the sideline. So that's what I did for, for the past three years. But I've seen that it's not really working because it's a different energy and focus you need for a full-time job, (laughs) especially in banking. So I can't really focus on doing something for my business. And it's not growing. But I learned so much in the past three years. But somehow I felt like I was not serious about building this business because I'm too comfortable with the lifestyle and the job I have. So I said, I need to challenge myself and go out of this comfort zone in this box. And for me also to be able to grow as a person and an entrepreneur. I I built my mindset and confidence over the years. It didn't happen overnight that building this confidence that I have and the resilience that I need... I think I, I worked so hard for it last year in 2020 because I also work with a business coach. And during our work together, I realized so much about myself that sometimes we just need to decide. If, if we want something, we just need to really decide. And what really happens most of the time is we, we just overthink <laughs> and we're just afraid to make that decision that's why we have a lot of excuses and for me I'm making my job as an excuse before to to not start with the enterprise and I am just always complaining about my circum- circumstance that I'm so tired about this I'm so tired about doing this but then I my coach said and it really struck me that you just need to decide why you're still there if you don't want what you're doing. And that moment, I started thinking, yes, why am I here really? <laughs> if I don't know what I do, I can do something about it. So, yeah, that's how I made the decision. And we have kids, I have twins. And it's an ongoing conversation with my husband last <laughs> year. But eventually, we both agreed. So, that's how I took the leap. <laughs>
0: That's very cool. That's actually a very relevant topic. I think anywhere in the world that you are, I see this with myself as well, building up a side hustle at the side of your day job. Um, but you're always struggling with time and and energy. And typically the jobs that we have keep us pretty busy and trying to do that while being an entrepreneur is, it's just, it's very draining and it's difficult to focus. But I I can think of a few friends that I I talked to and it's like, when do I know I should jump into something full-time? And that's very helpful for you to share just your own experience, but also what it was like working with a coach and getting some of that feedback. So what were some of the other things you learned from your business coach?
1: I learned mostly about mindset and, of course, strategies on how you can build your business because we work together so that I can build my coaching business. But more than that, it's really building that uh, growth mindset for entrepreneurs that sometimes it's easy to search for a strategy. A lot of people are sharing what they're doing. This is what their strategy looks like for their business. You can also Google something or find it in YouTube. There are a lot of tips and advices. But what's keeping us stuck is ourselves and that mm. fear of being rejected by your potential clients, that fear of being judged but the people around you, if you're starting a business and selling, because we have a different, a lot of people have different perspectives and opinions about selling. But it, while we're working together, that's one thing that I work on myself too. And I need to really have that mindset that selling is not just about getting money from your customers, but selling is serving I need to believe that I have this talent and I have something to offer to my clients that can change their lives. So that's one thing, and it's huge transformation because before I don't like selling. There's an awkward feeling when you're selling to people. Mm. It's you're just yeah, you're just getting money from them. And I think that belief is coming from our own belief also that we're not enough. Mm -hmm. That we don't have something to offer. That's why you're feeling that you're just getting money from other people. But if you believe that your services and you yourself can really help this person, you won't feel that way. You can feel like that money is just a bonus. But what you're offering is the transformation you can provide for your clients that can change their lives. So that's huge transformation for me. And yeah, a lot of strategies and how we do marketing in Instagram, how we do lead generation, how you also draft and design your program. So yeah, a lot of things.
0: That point. That you make about a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset, and developing that growth mindset is huge, right? Because it's in in principle, it's like a very simple idea of okay, yeah, to have a growth mindset means that you approach a situation and, and you realize that things are going to change, and there's an opportunity to grow and develop, and there's new possibilities that can arise as opposed to thinking hey the world is like this and it's it's never going to change which is easy in principle to understand mm-hmm. but then we have so many of these beliefs that are hidden in our head about the way the world is and we just don't question them
1: <laughs> yeah
0: i agree being able to articulate those and, and challenge them and look for you know opportunities there i think is just huge for being able to grow and start new things
1: yeah we just need to be aware Because a lot of people are not aware how they think. And that's one thing I I also want to work on with my clients, that we start with that self-awareness, that inner work, before we dive into the strategies of your business. Because we, you as an entrepreneur, is the best asset you can have for your business. So we will build that asset and make it the best
0: for you. (laughs) I love that. What, what are some of the things that people can do to start that inner work?
1: Number one is assessing where you feel you're stuck at and that you have to realize and become aware of all the fears you have and bring that up. Sometimes we're too focused on solving the surface problem But then when you dig deeper and ask, why am I feeling this? Why am I doing this? Why am I so afraid to talk to people? And then all those fears inside will come out and then address those fears. And I'm not saying that you need to work and let go of all the fears because (laughs) it won't leave. (laughs) It will always be there. We're all humans. Mm -hmm. We have those fears. But what I really want to for my clients to work on is that how you can face that fear and how you can address that in such a way that even if you have that fear, you're still motivated and you're still showing up for your business work and for your clients. And identifying all your limiting beliefs and find find a evidence that Mm. those limiting beliefs are not true. For example, if you're thinking that people will judge me, they don't like me at all. So I don't like to show up on stories or in podcasts to talk to people and to reach out. But who said that, right? When you really investigate and dig deeper and think about it, no one is telling you, but it's just you telling yourself that you are not worthy and people will judge you. And think of the positive evidence wherein people appreciated you and focus on that positive mm-hmm. experience and your mind will change like, because it, your fears and the way you think are stored in your subconscious mind. So what you really need to work on is to, to shift the way you think and make it a habit so that your subconscious mind is somehow reprogrammed and rewired to more like positive habits and thinking.
0: Reminds me of a a story I heard once. There was a a talk that a psychologist gave in London, and it was to a group of, of students who were studying to become psychologists. And what he asked the group to do was to take a look to their left and just imagine in their head what that person was thinking about how they looked. Just what do you think that person is thinking about how you look? And then look to the person to your right and, and just try to imagine what are they judging you as a person? Like, what kind of thoughts are they having? And he had the class do this for a second. And then he stopped. He said, okay, how many people were able to visualize what the people next to them were thinking about them? And everyone put up their hands of, yeah, I have an idea. And he said, you're all wrong. Everyone was just mm-hmm. thinking about themselves and and how oh. the world was seeing them, which was <laughs> yeah. true. Nobody was thinking about the person next to them. They were thinking about themselves. And just realizing how easy to get caught up in that as, hey, this is real or this is important or more important than something else. And that can really block you from just being in the world and, and getting out and seeing something new.
1: Yeah. And I think it's because we're also looking for that validation from other people. We always look for external validation. But mm. as an entrepreneur, we really need to, to look within first and find that internal validation and that's coming yeah. from ourselves
0: yeah it's a, even a good message to go out and validate as many people as you as you can because if that's what people are looking for, then you, you can really help inspire other people just by noticing what they're accomplishing in a genuine way mm. and and that helps you know lift yes. up the world around you yes. I love that, but it seems like this ties very well into social entrepreneurship because quite often when you had an opportunity to work in a successful company and to see the ways that people grow and develop in there, being able to share that in other communities where they might not have that support just comes off from the nature of social entrepreneurship, because you're out there talking to people and and getting really involved with those communities. So what's your vision for 2021?
1: Yeah. Aside from coaching, I started doing branding services. So I'm a brand strategist and designer. And I also shifted the business coaching to more of a branding and business coach to have it aligned and uh, that's i really want to do and want to help people to have that strong brand foundation for their businesses even if you're providing services or products but if you are like an impact driven female entrepreneur and i like to help you <laughs> and we will always start with that foundation so that's what i'm working on right now
0: What's the best way for for people to reach out and and find you and get in touch?
1: Yeah, they can find me on Instagram. My handle is Sheila MN Fuentes. So yeah, you you can reach out and I'm very open for conversations, discussion, and I like to chat with you.
0: Fantastic. And we'll put some of those resources in the show notes um, so you can find details for that on people helping people world, how to get in touch thank you very much for for yeah. joining me on the podcast today
1: yeah thank you too adam i had fun <laughs> today so yeah thank you thank you for having me here